0: Bleacher Blum a sports podcast for baseball fans now the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team blummer
1: everybody pile in and you damn well better have your Astro gear on Uh, obviously we are a little Astro heavy on this podcast here on Bleacher Blums brought to you by Jeff Blum and David Tuttle. And the bleachers have been filling up. We have been doing a great job. Everybody has been cheering. If you're a fan of baseball, this has been a very good World Series. It's been a very interesting World Series. If you are a Nationals fan, you are probably sweating a little bit. We'll dig into that a little bit later. And for right now, it's been an interesting World Series to me in the sense that we have had every game won by the road team. The first two games were taken by the Washington Nationals in dramatic and blowout fashion, games one and game two in Minute Maid Park. And then it was the Astros with their back against the wall that have just absolutely stood up and announced their presence finally in this postseason, even overall finally in this postseason, but most notably in the World Series with a big outburst, with the uh, offense finally coming around. And what's interesting to me, too, is it hasn't been just one guy, it's been multiple guys who have put up some big numbers and had some big moments in this World Series for the Astros. So a lot of fun we will have talking about that uh, leading up to that. But uh, my my favorite number is number 27. Jose Altuve is number 27. There's a lot of great number 27s in the game of baseball. But the number 27 are the number of outs that Astro fans will be counting tonight. Because there is a potential after 27 outs, if the Astros have the lead, they will be crowned the World Series champions of the 2019 Major League Baseball season, which would make them the champions for the last two out of three years and really creating a legacy, creating a dynasty, and would probably lead into a very fascinating free agent market with some key names in this World Series going to be on that free agent list most notably, Anthony Rendon, the third baseman for the Nationals. And then, of course, our very own Garrett Cole for the Houston Astros going into that free agent market. But one guy who is locked up on this podcast is David Tuttle. And Tuttle, how are things going out there on the left coast for you, man? I'm glad to hear I'm locked
0: up. I didn't know I thought it was day-to-day <clears throat> or week-to-week. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little under the weather. I think last time our, our – uh our amateur meteorology was taught we're talking about the weather and uh we had the santa anas out here was 98 last week then it was 70 this sunday with a little rain overcast all that but uh, all this time i thought i had allergies and then uh, i was informed by my wife that i'm sick and i need to stay away from the kids and her and i'm like oh all right i guess i'm sick so uh i'm taking one for the team today um but I'm able to go, unlike Max Scherzer, and uh, and I don't mean that as a slight to him, but he's obviously in a bad way because uh, I think that's probably something that we'll get into on this podcast, but that has turned the uh, the tide in the in the Astros' favor in a big way.
1: No, I completely agree. We are going to get in on that Max Scherzer situation because I'm kind of curious. Some of the reports I've been reading, and much like everybody at home who is getting into the articles, I agree with Tuttle in the sense that it kind of shifted things a little bit, especially that game five which was so important to both teams being tied 2-2 that it would eventually turn the Astros way. But before we get into that, I'm always kind of curious. When people are sick or start to feel sick, everybody has their own home remedy. Everybody has their homeopathic family member that is pushing, you know, the natural drugs. And then there's always the person like me who's in the family where I'm like, dude, just give me the best drugs you got. I'm going, whatever's over the counter. How do I convince you know, the doctor to give me some kind of antibiotic. My wife hates that part. But before I give you what I've found that actually works really well for me, and the second I hear that anybody is getting sick, Tuttle, is there anything special you do? Or do you do you try and prevent it? Are you a flu shot guy, you know, just in the sense of not political, but are you a flu shot guy? (laughs) Or Or do you have or do you just slam start slamming bourbons to just try and kill off the disease? Yeah, let's make let's make this political. Um,
0: yeah. So, do we vaccinate <laughs> that's our? That's so much fun. That's right. Do we vaccinate our children or not? Um, you know, I'm not a flu shot guy, and part of that is you know having worked in the medical field for a while. Uh, I think the flu shot. I mean, just to get on the that side real quick, the flu shots are trying to they're trying to predict the strain of flu for that year. So my thought was, you can get the flu shot, and you may get sick, or you may not get sick. You can skip the flu shot. And you may get sick, and you may not get sick. So that—that's my stand on that. And I, I, you know, if you're a young child under the age of two, and you're older than seventy-five or eighty, then you're obviously a little more susceptible to things. So that's not a hard and fast rule. But for me personally, I mean, if my chances are fifty-fifty either way, I'm gonna ride it out with taking it without taking a shot. Now, from this, from you know what I have now, like a little stuffy head, like cold. <laughs> <laughs> we got him (laughs) that was hilarious on on cue but um I just deny that I'm sick I mean like I said I was pretending I had allergies so now if it's something worse as you mentioned then yeah I may go to a little medicine but I'm the kind of guy that tries to ride it out with no medicine whatsoever I mean I, I take medicine as a last resort and uh I'm really proud to say I think I've had antibiotics obviously I had a surgery so I had it there and I've had antibiotics like once or twice in my life, whereas most people in the neighborhood are, you know, 10 deep in the antibiotic, like you're, you're immune, your system is completely immune to anything they could ever do to you. But uh, yeah, I just try and tough it out and fight it off. And I'm, that's, I'm not saying that as a, as, a, as a brag, I'm saying that as, I mean, it's probably not a good way to go about it because, you know, maybe makes things last a little bit longer.
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm an antibiotic guy. I, as soon as things start feeling sour, I hate, I'm the worst sick person ever. You can ask every person in my house, as soon as I get a little bit of a sniffle or start to get those aches and pains, or I just don't have the energy, man, I am in complete pout mode. I'm a complainer, whiner, powder. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I can't do anything, and then I'm, then immediately, when my wife takes off or goes run some errands, I'm immediately on with, you know, teledoc or the local urgent care. And I'm like, Hey, can you guys get me in? And then I, I play up the symptoms. I need a Z pack. I'm dying over here. I got a job to do, you know? And uh, yeah, so I'm that guy, but my go-to, the second I find out anybody in my house is, uh, is sick. And I give a lot of credit to my wife because she's really, she does a good job of researching and educating herself and all of us on on home remedies and a little more homeopathic type stuff to where you know you don't have to get to the antibiotics dude oregano oil oregano oil pills have done wonders for me throughout the course of the season if tk or julia shows up a little bit sniffly i travel with it and i'll take one uh, oregano pill in the morning one at night and boost my immune system and for whatever it, it either limits the amount of time i'm sick or i don't even get sick at all so I'm a big fan and proponent of oregano oil. But if I get past that point and I'm sick, forget it. I'm going to be a complete... I'd probably, I'd probably be on this podcast right now with Tuttle fighting through his right now. I'd be like, man, dude, this sucks. You got to carry the podcast again. Hey, you know what's funny? Those
0: placebo pills work really well. So whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, man. That, Shut get, up. Get yourself... Blasphemy. Men- get yourself mentally squared. And um, there's a bunch of people that take oregano pills out there. That they're going to write in say hey come on oh, no they're gonna
1: like, get with the program didn't even work man
0: in our uh, neighborhood that... in our neighborhood they call that what you get is a man cold so everybody else gets sick but a man cold is the minute <laughs> the minute you have a sniffle it's like the worst thing that's ever you know it's like you got the bubonic plague that that's a, that's known as a man cold around the neighborhood here like all the women yeah. get together and go oh yeah your husband got the man cold where it's like, oh, you're shivering on the
1: couch and all you have is a sniffle. Yeah. big baby. It takes me 15 minutes to take the trash can down the driveway and put it out front because I'm just fighting through hell to get down there, sacrificing myself for the family. Uh, speaking of sacrificing, you know, fans have sacrificed a lot of time to get on our website, going to bleacherblums.com and giving us a lot of great questions on mailbag. And uh, this is the time where we transition and try and answer some of those questions. We've been getting some great ones, almost too many to count. And we are going to try and, you know, filter through some of those, answer as many as we can and get those answers and thoughts and opinions to you. So we appreciate everybody who has subscribed, everybody who has rated and reviewed our podcast. We are having a blast and we would love the interaction too, because people have really started to step it up. You know, obviously that you can reach David Tuttle on Twitter at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and Instagram, and myself at blummer 27 on Twitter and Instagram. But if you want to know a little bit more about David Tuttle and I, you can go to our website that Just Geek It Solutions uh, made for us and really did a great job. It's BleacherBlums.com on the interweb, and you can check that out. You can find out more about Tuttle. You can find out more about me. You can uh, see if you want to hire any of us for a speaking engagement that's something that i look forward to uh you can reach us on cameo on there and you can also get to the mailbag and that's what we're headed into right now tuttle's got some mailbag questions and comments that we're going to roll through before we get heavy into the world series uh talk and then eventually what will tuttle say there we go
0: way to tee it up i will say i
1: think most people go to
0: bleacherblums.com and go who the hell is this Tuttle guy we know about this blum guy so Get on there, find out everything you need to know about me, and then book Blummer for a cameo or a speaking engagement. And uh, keep it clean, folks. All right. So the first question is from Carla C. Uh, as most of these go, there's kind of a statement and a support and then a question. So bear this out, and uh, and it's mostly for you. Um, dear Blummer, your last McCannonball. McCannonball. Brought tears yes. to my eyes and got me right in the feels. I was late in the beginning of game one. So sadly I missed Brian and Evan. Oh, I was late to the beginning of game one. So I missed Brian and Evan. My question is for both of you. Oh, how are you received by former teams teammates? Do they make a big deal out of you at your former venues? I guess when you go visit places like Chicago, things like that. Also who broke Jordan Alvarez? I love you guys. You really make chemo sessions bearable. Go get a good pair of Justin Cowboy boots, Blummer, and you'll fit in just fine. David, your y'alls are sounding better all the time. Carla, hashtag I'm ready to get tingly, hashtag cancer sucks, hashtag believe it. Nice.
1: Dude, outstanding, Carlo. Best of luck in in fighting cancer. Cancer does suck. It, it, it's absolutely atrocious, and we can't uh, – I mean, I'm sure Tuttle will say something too, but, man, we are absolutely cheering you on, and thank you for getting on here. Uh, we are thinking about you, and you've got some great points. Uh, you know, I don't know what unlocked Yordan. It, it, it's unbelievable what he's been able to do, but I know that uh, he got a, a good pitch to hit the other day and drove it out the other way. Um but uh, what was the first part again, Tuttle? Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah. No, your former venues. How are you received oh, by your former teams and teammates?
1: That, that just gives you an idea of how selfless I am that I forgot about the question about myself. <laughs> humble brag. Yeah, n- not that I just named the podcast after myself. But, uh, you know, when it, you, it is interesting. It's very good to go back to some of these venues. Obviously, the one place I go back to where I don't get much fanfare, Tampa Bay, for, for so many reasons. Number one because I sucked when I played there. I didn't put up good numbers. There was nothing memorable about my experience there. And number two, I've, I've many times told everybody how much I did not enjoy playing there under Lou Piniella. But all the other places, you know, Arizona, I was there briefly. They, I, I go underneath and say hi to all the guys, uh, you know, clubhouse staff and a lot of people who will provide the support for teams. Uh, Houston, obviously, I'm still in touch with all of those guys, and it's, a, it's great fanfare when, I, when I'm here with Houston but uh, a quick story about going back to Chicago for the first time since the world series. I know everybody's going to hate this, but 2013 was my first year broadcasting. Everybody on that Astros team is kind of like, who is this new color analyst guy? Did he play? Who is he? I remember the name, but I don't remember much about him. And we went to Chicago and in the sixth inning, uh, you know, of the game, I'm sitting in the broadcast booth and on the big screens, the jumbotrons in the stadium, they start to play highlights of the world series. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, and all of a sudden they show the home run and they say, you know, Comiskey park would like to welcome. And they had my name up there. And next thing you know, I'm on the big screen and everybody in the, you know, there's like 30, 40,000 people there. And they all stood up and they're like, yeah. woo!" And I was just, I was floored, blown away, humbled, didn't know how to do what to do you know, did the did the presidential wave and just kind of was like, wow, that just happened. But it was funny, the reaction I got the next day when I went into the clubhouse and onto the field, everybody in the Astros uh, clubhouse and locker room, like, oh, you're th- that's the guy that came over. And all of a sudden I had like instant respect. So yeah, it's a lot of fun going back there. San Diego does a good job when I get back there a lot too. I know a lot of the management. You know, what's crazy is uh, the security guards and a lot of the support staff that I talk about those are the people that remember you the most. And those are the people that, you know, you've know you've interacted appropriately when those people actually say hello and go out of their way to shake your hand. So I absolutely appreciate everybody that I've come in contact with. But uh, opposing teams that I go through and see nowadays are very, very hospitable and very uh, happy to see me.
0: You know, those are also the people that have the keys to the castle and people forget about that. I was listening to another podcast recently about um, with a football player. And he was just saying that when he goes back to places that, the security guard that he used to have a couple beers with after the game or whatever and i mean people forget that that th- that like you said you know that you treated them right for me it's a little bit different i can't top the uh comiskey park story but um similar to college and high school i probably have one or two good friends from each of those um maybe a few more from college and good teammates uh we had a teammate pass away a couple years ago uh fairly young and you know who knew that a funeral is like a reunion, but the funeral was actually a really good way to catch up all these guys that you kind of forget about and that you share a lot of good times with. But, uh, from a professional standpoint, it really is just specific teammates and, and former guys that you kind of have a bond with. And, and I would kind of relate it to how you and I met, obviously our kids going to school together and you went to Cal and I went to Santa Clara and we have a history in professional baseball, some common teammates and all that. It's just kind of a neat little, um, fraternity for lack of a better word. So obviously I wouldn't be on this podcast and we wouldn't be doing this had we not, you know, had those conversations in the parking lot. So you just never know how things are gonna work out. If you treat people right and you kind of stay true to who you are, then you obviously have some teams and teammates that will remember that. And those are the, you know, the people that you end up being connected with and staying tied to.
1: Very cool. We appreciate it, Carla and best of luck. Keep fighting the fight. We're cheering for you.
0: All right. Question number two from Dave B uh and i say that where it says question on the uh, it actually says question on the thing but he says more of a statement than a question so we start out i love the podcast waiting till after the astros clinch to listen so i can hear the analysis and compare it to the results not a challenge to question your expertise but more of a curiosity for me so dave b won't even hear this question i should have just waited maybe he's going to listen to it tomorrow. And <laughs> and I don't know what he's going to say because I've actually enjoyed myself and and the folks that listen and then respond to us and maybe you've gotten some of the same feedback. They love hearing, you know, I mean I think the first time we talked when it was 2-0 and we were saying, look, the Nationals have the momentum, but this is what's happening and let's not, you know, let's not raise our heart rate too much because I think the Astros clubhouse probably believes ABC, well look where we are now. Now it's 3-2. So I think if you stay kind of true to the statistics and true to what we know about the 107-win Astros and the 93-win uh, Washington Nationals, then obviously that kind of stuff bears itself out. But I, it's kind of fun. I feel like we're a little bit of fortune teller, but also we're kind of tricking everybody that we're fortune tellers because we're just following the roadmap that we, we know so well based on the, the history of baseball and, and the length of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's been a lot of fun to put ourselves out there a little bit. And again, you know, it's an educated guess, like Tuttle's talking about. It has a lot to do with the experience that we both have in the game. Uh, You know, everybody who watches the game watches it a little bit differently. And if you've played inside the game, you do. There's certain... Key aspects that maybe you focus on a little bit, or you recognize that maybe not the everyday fan does, and that's what we're trying to bring to you here on this podcast. Is trying to give you some of that insight and give the reasoning on why we feel the way we feel about things. And both of us, in doing our research and watching the Astros throughout the course of the season, kind of give us an idea. And and again, the playoffs are a wild card. It's it's insane how many how many things can change and be inconsistent throughout the playoffs, and all of a sudden flip on a dime, like we just saw with the three game series in Washington DC going the Astros way. Uh, But yeah, Dave, if if you're listening to this podcast, you know, a lot of the things that we say are going to be right. A lot of the things that we're going to say maybe didn't come to fruition, but at the same time, it's about the conversation. It's about the prediction and I enjoy it. I love it when obviously I love it when I'm right. But there's times where you're not going to be right and you kind of you see it play out and you go, I missed that key part. Or maybe that's what what I missed in doing the prognosis. But as we sit right here, if the Astros can pull it off in the next twenty seven outs, I'm gonna look like an absolute genius in a long roundabout kind of way because I called the Astros in six, but I didn't anticipate them going four straight after losing the first two of the World Series. That would be incredible.
0: I agree. And, uh, and I called them in seven just because of the, the Nationals' momentum. But then, you know, after two games, I thought, oh, gosh, it might not go six or seven. And then after the last <laughs> few games, you're like, oh, yeah, I think it's going to be over tonight. So, again, we'll just have to wait and find out. And a lot of that will depend on the health of the Nationals' pitching staff and some other factors. All right, a couple more questions. We'll get through these. Um, let's see, next question. This is a good question. Um, as I guess they all are. This is from Blake A., Wondering why a lot of big league pitchers aren't being called for box when they become set multiple times in the stretch. My thought was that once he picked his foot up to become set, once it landed, he had to become set. But watching the games, I guess I'm wrong. Tuttle, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, at times we talk. Yeah, Tuttle, what do you got? At times we talk about the game passing me by. There's obviously some changes. I think, and I'm not sure what we're specifically referring to Blake, but obviously when there's no one on base, a lot of guys now throw out of the stretch. And when there's no one on base, you can do a lot of different fidgeting and moving and, you know, it's similar to a windup. You're not trying to hold anybody. There's no deception involved. So you'll see that. But I also think, you know, we are in the big leagues as long as the pitcher is consistent, right? This goes to the deception aspect. And I watched, uh, I think it's Joe Smith. Joe Smith looks like he really never comes set. He's got his hand moving. It's a really weird, after I read this question, I kind of was looking at the game a little more closely. But to be honest with you, it's just consistency. So if you double tap your foot every time and then you kind of raise your hands and then you come down, as long as you come to a set position and you're very consistent about how you do it, the umpires will not call a balk. And and I'm assuming similar to how hitters will go, hey, was that out? Is that as far out as you're going to go? I mean, after a 162 game season and these umpires have seen these guys over and over and over again, it's really about doing things, as I said, consistently, they're looking for things that are out of the norm. Something, as you know, that, you know, they're trying to deceive the runner and that, that opens up the can of worms of the whole debate. Then why are you allowed to step to third and throw to first if you're not allowed to deceive the runner? Right. But, uh, anyway, so the simple answer to to this question is two things. One is Nobody on base. These guys do a little more. I mean, we watch Asuna all the time, do the delay. He does the double leg kick. He does a slide step. You know, he pauses, he does all kinds of different things. Um, he'll go over his head sometimes with the hands. Those are usually with no one on base. Um, in terms of somebody like Joe Smith, the way he comes set looks a little awkward, but he, you know, he keeps his hands still and he does that every pitch. If you watch him, they do it the same every pitch. So, um, and we talked about tipping pitches. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the consistency of these guys and what you're what you're noticing with these uh, these pitchers.
1: Yeah, it's been a whole new era. But I love the fact that Tuttle brought up the fact that, you know, with nobody on, you can literally do whatever you want as long as you're in contact with the rubber and, and coming towards home plate. And it's, it's unique in this day and age with some of the uh, windups that guys have, especially with nobody on. They'll look like they're in the set position, but they'll step back with the left foot, and then bring the leg up and come towards home plate. And what's interesting about that one is if there's a runner on third base and that's the pitcher's windup, he has to tell the home plate umpire, this is, I'm coming out of the windup. I'm not coming to the set. And then he goes into his windup. So you have to announce, literally announce to the umpire, look, it's going to look like I'm in the set position, but I'm going out of the windup. Please don't call a balk on me umpire tips his cap says okay let's move forward but when you get a runner on base Tuttle is exactly right every guy is going to be a little bit different but as long as they're consistent and he and Tuttle's correct too the umpires are looking for a deviation because if you deviate from your your regular consistent delivery towards home plate then you're just trying to deceive the runner now some guys will get a little too quick as far as the set position but and they'll bounce You know, as far as the hands, when they start to come down towards the belt or they start to get to that stop position where they don't literally just stop, they basically redirect. But again, it's all up to the umpire's discretion. If you had balking Bob Davidson out there, there'd be a lot more box called, but he's out of the game. So there's a lot more leniency, I think, towards pitchers in these situations because it's flow of game. It's, uh, it's consistency, and unless they're really doing something drastic to try and distract the hit or to deceive the runner, then it's not going to be called. Yeah, so, I
0: mean, obviously, some of the same things we touched on, the consistency aspect, but it is funny because I didn't know, I don't remember announcing anything to an umpire. It's like, uh, number 72 is reported as an eligible receiver, you know, you're kind of <laughs> like announcing it to the world, But <laughs> but I agree. I mean, it's really...
1: Well, how about it's like, Hey, Hey, Mr. Umpire, I've got one of those weird dorky windups. I got, I'm just letting you know. So when you see me doing it, don't laugh at me. Yeah, that's right. You've seen me all year. Haven't you? I mean, you laughed
0: at me the first 10 times, like let's not laugh or call a <laughs> Bach in a crucial situation here. But, uh, but anyway, I, I actually thought that was a really good question because it does seem to have changed. And that's, uh, that's what I was saying. I don't remember ever having to go to an umpire. I was either in the windup or in the stretch. It was very, um, I think, visible and and easy to understand but you know there are times when i look i i want to say it's um joe smith that does he
1: kind of keeps his hand moving yeah. am i right he keeps his hand moving he does and it kind of there's a little bit of movement in the glove there's movement and it's just, it never stops yeah legitimately
0: so, but, you know, I, I mean he's made it this far they're not about to start calling it tonight so all right one last question here from cliff h Not really a question, just to say I love the podcast. So there you go. All these questions are not really questions, but everyone's doing a great job. I'm catching up on the podcast and enjoy reliving some of the season. The one about breaking in the glove got me, got to me, and I love breaking in my catcher's mitts. I would like to thank you guys for supporting the military and first responders as I am an Air Force veteran and I was a volunteer firefighter. Also, could you add a flag to the shirts with a thin red and blue line? And maybe do a camo logo again you guys are great keep it up oh all right yeah military style shirt i love all the suggestions i mean we got all kinds of suggestions don't we
1: uh, we, we do and we probably deserve it because you know the podcast is one thing for tuttle and i to get out here and do this A uh, uh, thank you for for emailing in by the way and yes we are all about uh, doing our best to support those who give us the freedom to have this podcast but in doing so you know, I think we get so podcast heavy and I think during the season, we're a little more focused on, you know, the actual content of the podcast. Whereas in the, po- you know, after this world series is over, maybe we can focus a little bit more on expanding the brand, so to speak, because people are listening and uh, we want to make this a truly interactive, a truly uh, rep- true representation of all baseball fans out there. So maybe we do make adjustments to the logo. Maybe we do make adjustments to the t-shirts and maybe, um, you know, maybe maybe we start to have, you know, uh, more seasonal, more, uh, you know, holiday type stuff, maybe a pink Bleacher Blums next October, if we're around that long, if everybody keeps listening, or maybe, you know, next July 4th, or, in, you know, one of those Independence Days or Memorial Days, we actually do a camo style and get that out there because I know I'm dying for a Bleacher Blums hat. That's the one thing that's actually get kind of killing me right now is that I would love to be able to represent that hat and get it out there. But we appreciate the suggestions and maybe, you know, the, maybe we should change it from mail bag to just comment bag, you know, because everybody's done such a good job. We have to please don't ever stop going to bleacherblums.com and sending the quotes that say, I love the podcast. I, I enjoy that thoroughly.
0: Yeah, well, I do too. And you know what? You just made me think of a red Christmas shirt with the with the Bleacher Blums logo wearing a Santa hat, right? Or like, there a, we go. like a Grinch logo. It looks good. Well, we know that we need to uh, give a shout out to Crush City Tees. Maybe they'll make some of these suggestions a reality. Um, hopefully you're listening over there at Crush City Tees. I think they usually are. And I know they'll be at the game tonight. CrushCityTees.com is the place to go for custom H-Town baseball tees. They have a direct... To garment machine. They can make your idea reality with no minimums, no setup fees, and unlimited colors. They also provide embroidery and screen printing, design imprinted in Houston, Crush City Tees, T E E S dot com. And I will say this, I I spoke with them yesterday about the hats. We're pushing that pretty, pretty, you know, pretty well, I should say. Um he needed to get a specific needle for that, but uh, but we're gonna get those hats out there. That's important to us and uh and i cannot have all my shirts now in my wardrobe be like navy, orange or gray. I just can't I just can't have it. So we're going to have to like you said, we're going to have to get into the holiday spirit. I think the orange bleacher blum shirt will be really the orange and black will be nice for Halloween, but beyond that we got to get mm-hmm. like you said, maybe some green and red shirts out there and the uh, and just kind of diversify the wardrobe especially you're gonna be wearing bleacher blums t-shirts and hats everywhere
1: yeah and we need to have more color t-shirts because r- right now i've had more hair colors in my career than i've had colored t-shirts made for me so there's you know maybe we'll uh, do that a little bit more but i think we need it, it would be really unique to have it a little more uh you know uh in, in concert with maybe time of year And uh, events like that would be a lot of fun. But we are going to talk about the World Series. This is why we're here right now. This is the hot topic. I know the NBA season has started, but uh, I have not watched one minute of NBA basketball because I've been so engaged in what's going on on the field for the Houston Astros and Washington Nationals. I'm going to start this thing off because I I don't want to go, I don't want to bury the topic. And I know there's a lot going on and there's a big game tonight. Game six is tonight. It is going to be Steven Strasburg against Justin Verlander, but the reason the Astros are in this situation is because they went into enemy territory up there in Washington D.C. and proceeded to shut down the Nationals and score some runs. But real quickly before I give, you know, a couple of my keys to what happened in those last 3 games, and we'll kind of try and recap those last th- 3 games real quick with some interesting numbers that we were able to pull out, but Tuttle, for you in watching those 3 games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, What did, you know, we talked about the expectation. The Astros pitching was going to have to step up and the offense. But for you, Tuttle, what were there any keys or anything that you saw in those three games that really jumped out to you and said, okay, this, the Astros have a chance. And did you expect them to win three on the road?
0: Uh, I did not expect them to win all three. And uh, there is one specific thing that actually, that actually stuck out, which is hilarious because I think we talked about this on a couple of the podcasts leading up to it. Um, more specifically, the the momentum. You have the momentum. And I said the podcast when they were down 2-0, I said specifically that AJ kind of needs to manage, not panic mode, but he needs to manage more like Dave Martinez was managing because Davey Martinez was managing like every out was crucial. And so without hitting the panic button, I feel like that part shifted. And, and the point I'm going to make here is when he left Annabelle Sanchez in the game with one out and Robles had just tripled, So I think the Astros are up two to one. You have Robles on third base. There's one out. And it was the fourth or fifth inning. So it's, you know, you're on the fringe of how your pitcher's doing. And, you know, he could have pinch hit someone there who could have got out as well. But I think all of a sudden what went off in my brain was, oh, my gosh, he's not managing the way he was before. He's not managing in the same desperate manner. Because if that was the, you know, if that was the eighth inning, Sanchez would not have stayed in the game. So, hey, it's a fourth or fifth inning. Annabelle is going to be our guy. We got to get him to kind of extend. Well, he gets out, and Robles is still in third with two outs, and then Trey Turner gets out. And now that run doesn't come across, and then that kind of – but to me, they're up 2 two games to none. And in that game, I think the Astros started out, it was 2 nothing, right? And then there were some hard-hit balls. Yeah, that was Granke's game. and uh, And all of a sudden, I just – I don't know. I mean, without articulating it and getting crazy and off the rails, to me, a, a switch in my head went off. Like, oh, it looks like Davey Martinez is not managing the same way he was in the first two games, and that was a big key for me. And I know it's easy to say now in hindsight, but that that really resonated with me that he was going to try and extend that as opposed to all right, you know, cutthroat. We got to get this run. We got to you know scratch and claw to get everything we can. I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, I think it's really interesting because you know you're up two to nothing and you go home. And you start Anibal Sanchez, and you already know that the, your, one of your main weapons coming out of the bullpen is starting the next day. So Patrick Corbin is a guy who came out in Game 1 in relief of Scherzer, and then he is going to start Game 4. So going into that game, they knew they were going to ha- be missing a part out of their bullpen. And I think it's interesting. I don't know. If, you can lose momentum so quick. And I think that's what Tuttle's trying to get at, is that he wasn't managing to win the game he was managing to keep the game where it was at so to speak and once you lose control like that and once you fall behind or you start to question things that's where that momentum shifts towards the Astros and I bet you the Astros felt the same way and that's why Tuttle can't put a number or an analytic to it is because you know that that uh, that that animal instinct when you're in the heat of competition you kind of perk up and you're going wait a minute he's sitting back right now he's he's gonna he's going to leave this guy in there that all of a sudden you smell blood in the water and you go for it. And it kind of talked about the shift in momentum because the Astros did get that one Granky pitched well, and then you moved into a bullpen game. And I'm not sure if Davey Martinez maybe had that in the back of his mind saying, Oh, well, you know, if today doesn't go as well as we want, we're, we're up two to one. We got Patrick Corbin going against what's potentially a bullpen day. And i tell you what, Game five couldn't be further from a bullpen day. That was Jose Damer day, man. That dude flat stepped up. And that's what I love about the postseason too. And that was one of my keys is that you're going to have to use the entire 25 man roster, whether you want to or not. The Jake Marisnyx, the Jose or the Kyle Tuckers. These guys are going to have to step up in big situations. And Joe Smith, to your point, talking about him earlier, I don't know if that was a guy that they were actually counting on. They're like, well, it's nice to have a veteran out here who can get some key outs. But all of a sudden, the way Joe Smith is pitched, he is in a high leverage situation and he can play some matchups against the Washington Nationals. So some things have transpired and the momentum all of a sudden kind of snowballed. And what was supposed to be a bullpen day turned into a bullpen day for the Washington Nationals, not the Houston Astros. And my key to this three-game run, which surprised the living crap out of everybody on the planet, RISP. Again, man, I will wear this number out hitting with runners in scoring position winners get big hits losers do not and it was kind of funny I don't know if you saw Anthony Rendon's uh comments after game five how they're like you know you guys sucked with uh, runners in scoring position the last three games how do you change that and he's like well you got to get hits and the reporter you could see him get annoyed man I mean, oh, yeah. I, for you, you being an ex-player and the way he reacted to the question. So the reporter kind of pressed him a little bit and said, how do you get hits? And he goes, well, you just go out and, you know, put together a good AB, and get a hit. And he goes, no, but, you know, what are you thinking? How do you actually do that? And he grabs a bat and he goes, well, you put this part of the bat on the ball and hopefully you'll find some open space out there. So you could tell he was getting a little bit annoyed. And I think that that's in the psyche of the Washington Nationals. But the risk number for the Astros off the charts in those three games where they averaged runs per game and Tuttle as a pitcher, you're going to win a lot of ball games when you're getting six plus runs per game. Yes, you are. And, uh, and you and I did talk about that Rendon thing. I mean, and I thought it was really funny
0: because obviously that reporter got under his skin, but the other two reporters on the other side were like, Oh, what kind of wood is that? Right. He pulled out his bat and he's like, it's maple. And And they did a good job of kind of lightening the mood there, but I really actually liked Anthony Rendon's response aside from the sarcasm. When the guy said, well, what do you do? He's like, well, you know, then you go one. He said, you're 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position. How do you change that? He goes, well, mm-hmm. I come out tomorrow and I put this part of the bat on this part of the ball. Then a 1 for 20 and 2 for 21 and 3 for 23 and 4 for 24. Like he just started, you know, 4 for 23. And he just kind of added the numbers mainly saying, hey, I'm going to try and get a hit every time I'm up there, especially with runners in scoring position. But, you know, we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum on the podcast. I mean, these guys are professionals. He's going up there. He's trying to do his job every single time. Um, I want to go back to the reason, your key to the series, or your key to that, which was Erkidi. He was the key. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't know much about him, but I kind of, you know, the Giants had a guy in their bullpen a couple of years ago that looked like Erkidi would come out, and he threw 93, 94 as well. But Erkidi was up to 96, 97, and I think he might have had the reputation in the Nationals, at least the scouting report, that he was kind of a, you know, sinker slider change up guy but he was i mean he was challenging those guys especially in crucial situations and uh and uh he he caught everybody off guard probably the only people he didn't catch off guard was himself i mean even the astros thought all right it's a bullpen day and whatever we get we get but uh verlander said this and when they escaped the uh the five game series with the with the rays he said the one thing you cannot do in a seven game series is hide anybody every single guy in this clubhouse is going to have to participate and contribute and uh, go figure. He's a, he's a soothsayer, you know? And, uh, and that's so true because like you said, Mariznick or Keedy and all these guys um, are, are participating and, and doing a damn good job. And I think that along with the point I brought up earlier are, are a couple of the keys to how this thing's gotten turned around.
1: Yeah. And using that whole 25 man roster is, is huge. And some guys that I want to highlight Obviously Joe Smith has stepped up in some key situations with Presley, maybe not 100% on that right knee. Will Harris. My god. There you know there's a word they use out here in Houston called trill and it's kind of you know that you know chill, you know relaxed chill man, trill he is now trill Harris in Houston because the dude has been absolutely lights out. And just to give you a little background maybe help some of you out out there who still think he's Will Smith. Um he's not. He is Will Harris. Uh, he's an LSU guy but man everything I've heard A.J. Hinch say about this guy and everything I know about Will Harris is a phenomenal dude but he's almost to a point it's a fault that he keeps taking the baseball throughout the years he's been an Astro and A.J. Hinch has even admitted as much that sometimes he abuses the fact that he has a guy like Will Harris out there where he doesn't necessarily pace himself with him he just goes Will get in the game and Will says okay coach and he goes out there and does the job. But he has been absolutely lights out in uh, in the World Series. And I love the fact that he's been good for a long time with the Astros the last four or five years. But now on the national stage, really getting some attention. And I think that's been a lot of fun to watch. And the other thing, talking about the offense, and I'll let you jump in here t- whenever you want before I get to tonight's matchup, is is the offense for the Astros, we've, we've seen a big home run from Alex Bregman. We've seen a big home run from Jordan Alvarez, George Springer, Carlos Correa, and a big hit from Yuli Gurriel. And that right there, the ability to be able to rattle off six names, five, six names in a nine man lineup is a huge turn on for me. And I think that's the biggest thing and probably the most worrisome thing for Strasburg going into this game six is who's who's beating you? And on any given night, it's been one or, one or three of those guys. So now who do you key on to not let you beat you? But it's been a team offense in those three games, and they need to bring that home to Minute Maid Park.
0: You know, I, I touched on this before, and that's what I said, the keys to the series when we said six or seven games. I thought the Nationals had momentum, and, of course, they had the two horses to match up with Verlander and Cole. But the lineup from top to bottom was exactly what I, I, we touched on, and that's not – I'm not just tooting my own horn. I'm saying that that – is how they won so many games and that's why they're such a valuable team because it doesn't have to be one guy you're not waiting for Juan Soto to carry the team to the promised land or Rendon I mean those two guys it's Correa can do it one night Altuve can do it one night you didn't bring him up in the conversation which is hilarious Good point. so that yeah. makes it seven deep right and then Kyle Tucker has had some mm-hmm. hits I mean his base running's been a little suspect, but, but he, but he can hit. So uh, another guy you can bring off the bench. But again, I just bring up Verlander's point. He said everybody's going to have to contribute. The Astros are are the epitome of that from a team perspective, and they don't have guys just scrapping and clawing. They have guys that can, like you said, leave the yard. I mean, you know, Yordan. Who knows where he went? But he's back. I mean, you don't want to throw him a meatball. He'll 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 hurt you. So I think that that's why the Astros are the favorite. That's how the Astros got the momentum back. And that's why the Astros are going to win the World Series in the next
1: uh, two days. Wow. Total calling it right there. I love it. I want to jump into tonight's matchup because I think tonight is going to be a great game. It's going to be a tight game, but I believe that the Astros are going to end up pulling it out late in this ballgame for the World Series championship here at Minute Maid Park this evening. And it's Justin Verlander versus Steven Strasburg. And man, what a matchup. Just on numbers alone, you think it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. But I think if you went on postseason numbers, you would actually have to give the edge to Steven Strasburg because of the numbers he's put up in this postseason. So uh, among National League pitchers with at least 40 career postseason innings pitched, this is career postseason for Steven Strasburg. He has a 1.34 ERA. He trails Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax and Christy Mathewson. So just kind of drink that in a little bit to get an idea of how good Steven Strasburg has been in the postseason. He has a 1.34 ERA. Man, so going back to August 20th, he's 7-1 with a 1.82 even this season. So he is on a tear right now. He is pitching extremely well. On the other side, you've got a little bit different story. Justin Verlander alone in the World Series in his career, he has pitched in six games. He has started six games. He is 0 5. The team has gone 1 5, and his ERA is 5.73, and he only has 36 strikeouts in 33 and a third innings pitched. And one more thing if Verlander gets out of the first inning, you might as well sew it up because the first inning has been absolutely destructive this postseason for Justin Verlander. If he can get through the first inning, the Astros will win the World Series tonight. In the first inning, though, Justin Verlander's ERA, 6.20 6.20 so what do you got on the starters for tonight's game and more importantly probably well let me ask you this first what what is the issue for a guy if he's getting blown up in the first inning what is the story behind that it's a great question uh, i think Scherzer ha-
0: has the same issue his, his era is like a five in the first inning and then it goes down after that that's and, a great call and both those guys are obviously two of the preeminent pitchers in the game uh, i had days like that. And I, I said this before on the podcast where if you had two or three starts like that in a row, you would end up uh you would end up trying to throw an extra inning in the bullpen. We talked about changing it up last time. Not not a jinx or a superstition, just to change your mindset up. So you would actually throw a full inning of 15 pitches down in the bullpen, sit down, get up and then finish your warm-ups like you kind of threw an inning. And I think that's a that's a key way to go about it. But you know, in all honesty Again, I just believe in these short series. It's so hard to go back. We we've been crushing Kershaw. We know Verlander and Kershaw are two of the best pitchers in the game. Verlander, they had the stat up the there night. He's zero and five. He's no no uh frontline pitcher. No pitcher has lost their first five decisions ever in a World Series, um in the World Series setup. And I will tell you why that happens. Most people don't get five chances. If you're zero and four, you're not going to get another World Series start. I mean, all this stuff is so crucial. That just tells you how good he is, and that's why they keep putting him back out there. Same with Kershaw. So the more chances you get, you know, the the more chances you have to fail or succeed. And it's not always going to go your way. I also think, as we said, these are small uh, sample sizes, and the teams are ready to go in the first inning. The scouting report's fresh in their mind. The crowd's into it, especially when you're on the road like it was last time. I guess they were at home last time, but, um, you know, us against the world uh, attitude and I think good pitchers, the best pitchers, and I think Cole changes up. So this will be more of an answer to your question. They try and establish that fastball. They try and get after you in the first inning. They don't want to throw the bag of tricks at you in the first inning. You know they're gonna go, hey, hard stuff. Well, guess what the guys are looking for? Like, all right, if I get a good fastball, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing. So Garrett Cole, after having a rough game, his first game comes out last game, slider, hammer, slider, hammer, and these guys are like, whoa. All right, that's a change. So when you add all of that up, it's like, all right, we've got the scouting report, we got this guy, but as you know, a good, confident pitcher is like, look, this is my game. I'm gonna go establish my stuff. And that ain't always gonna work in the World Series. You've gotta, you gotta be uh, you know, kind of like halftime adjustments. And I look at the difference between Cole's first start and the second start, I would expect to see more of that tonight from Verlander just just so he can get out of the first inning and then you know after that it's all
1: downhill right gosh you have you have no idea how much i love you right now because i am with you in the sense in watching garrett cole's first start it was drastically different in the second start and he said as much in the post-game interviews where he's saying i had to get on my slider i had to get on my curveball and he did he left a couple out there early on but then he went to the you know he got out of that first and third situation after giving up uh hits to uh who was at Rendon and Soto and things looked like they were getting out of control, but he went right back to the off speed, got ahead, got the strikeout. So I I applaud you and I'm grateful for you bringing that up because it was, it was fairly evident that he was doing that. And I think what's unique and what Justin can use to his, you know, to his benefit is mixing up that scouting report and recognizing the success that Garrett Cole had with that, because they do have similar stuff, with the firm fastball, the hard slider, the big curveball, the occasional changeup mixed in there. Uh, I've already told you I think it's going to be the Astros tonight. Uh, How do you see tonight's game going, uh, Tuttle?
0: Yeah, I could could see the same thing. I I, I want to just kind of touch on what you said about Soto and Rendon. They both got on against Cole, and I think that kind of goes back to the earlier point about the strength of the lineup. It's kind of like, all right, here comes Cole with a 93-mile-an-hour slider. You know, when you're getting into the 6th, 7th, 8th guys in the order, that's a lot different than getting into the Astros six 8th guys, right? You're going to face Correa. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of see it the same way. And again, this is all based on momentum. I mean, Verlander could give up two or three in the first inning if he doesn't change and change his style a little bit or change his approach. But if he only gives up two or three in the first inning, I still see the Astros offense kind of going, you know, I know uh, Strasburg's on the mound, but I don't know. It could be. It could be a closer game that I would expect. But it, like you said, if JV gets out of the first inning kind of unscathed and gets into the fifth or sixth inning, I just see the the snowball, of the avalanche coming down uh, on the Nationals because of the momentum that the Astros have being at home and and realizing that it's a closeout game.
1: Astros and six tonight 27 more outs for Astro fans if you're hanging in there that is what we are going to give you as far as the Astros talk is concerned those are the, our our previews our predictions our thoughts on how they got through those last three games to put themselves in position up three to two over the Washington Nationals and the my man is feeling sick he is down but I can feel the energy even though right you know right now in the moment in this podcast and that's why we're gonna throw it to waddle Tuttle. say.
0: Nice. So this is going to be a, a direct left turn from what we were talking about before. Um, oh, you know, I do have one little lead off in the What Tuttle Say segment. The only time probably on this podcast, and, you know, I guess you can't hold me to it, but uh, the only time you'll ever hear me agree with A-Rod, but A-Rod said that the Ooh. winner the winner of Game 5 is going to win the World Series, and that's kind of how I felt right before he said it. So I, I would agree with him, and I know we've already talked about You know, we got to stick with our predictions. You said Astros in six. I said in seven. So I had them going all the time. But the fact that they won that game when it's two to two, if the Nationals had won that game, that would change the dynamic. So I thought the winner of game five takes the World Series. And that just kind of sticks with what we knew. So bold prediction by A-Rod. Way to go. Well, you know, he's the (laughs) one that's still talking about the Yankees and the Astros tipping pitches. Like what? dude?
1: uncle, man.
0: Please, uncle. All right, so today's topic, this is, like I said, a direct left turn from what we were talking about. But no, I do not want to be a member of your discount club. No, I don't want to give you my email or my phone number. I just want to buy this pack of gum. Please. That's it. Do I have to embellish on that at all? Like, I, you know, no, I don't want the discount on gas. No, I don't want to leave you my, well, what about the coupons? No, I'm okay without the coupons. I forget to bring the coupons all the time. Now, I know my wife will look for coupons on her phone, like Google them while you're standing at the register and like, oh, I got the QR code or whatever. Um, but I just I just want to buy this pack of gum. I don't want a, a nickel off gas. I don't want – and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm saying that because it's the same as little old ladies writing checks at the grocery counter <laughs> still. It's like if you can't use Apple Pay or – What's
1: a check? You know
0: yeah exactly but if you can't use apple pay or or you know throw your credit card into the machine or pay cash then i i I don't know what to tell you but i just there's a discount card or club for everything and i think people kind of look at it like like they're offended when you're like no i don't want to give you my email it's like look i just ordered a burrito like i don't need to be on the las colandrinas like email list i i know i'll get a free nachos next time but there's just every place you go now has a discount club um now you get on websites it says hey send us your email and we'll send you a free newsletter along with a, a coup no 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 i'm just i'm just looking at t-shirts or tennis shoes online anyway i'm just over it it's the same thing as the i'm a robot right I, I i just i just don't need a discount club or a card or an app for every single thing i do i mean if it's important to me i'll make it happen and, uh, and, and that's it. I used to think you at the grocery store, you would get coupons, but it didn't even give you a discount. I mean, it's just, it's a way for them to track your groceries. <laughs> and I don't, I want to get off the grid, maybe not off the grid, like the electricity and water grid, but I need to get off the the email and cell phone grid.
1: That is a great call. I, I'm with you on that. And I do get the snotty remarks like, oh, you know, why don't you want to be in our club? Why don't you want it? Why don't you want like you said you bought something for 12 bucks and they're like you don't want the 20% discount by giving us your email and phone number Nope, I don't because for the 20% that I'm saving I'm gonna get 40% of the emails in return I don't like that that's not a fair exchange for me man and then all of a sudden you're gonna sell my number you're gonna sell my email to 98,000 other companies they're gonna just tag me and everything and here I go on my unsubscribe button I've got to unsubscribe from 4,000 emails and, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a great call. No more discount clubs. I'm anti. I
0: appreciate it. I just, it just wears me out and I'm not really, I'm not get off my lawn guy. I'm not grouchy guy. It's, it's like you said, there's, there's some animosity that comes when you don't throw it in, especially like, um, we have a local pet store. It's not pet smart. So it's a local one and they do, they have coupons at the register, but they're always like, what's your phone number? But they don't ask politely. <laughs> It's like well i would give you my phone yeah. number but you know i don't want you calling me like i don't i don't know what my i mean i don't know what they're trying to do with that information and in nice places they do it so subtly which i love you go to a nice store like, mm-hmm. um, we'd like to email your receipt what's your email sir and i'm always like oh i'll just i'll just take the paper receipt thank you like you know because then like you said they unsubscribe so there are people that go about it in a polite manner but again this is information collection and I don't want to go politically either, but start reading up on, uh, this little website called Facebook or Twitter and talk about what they do with your, <laughs> with your personal information. When you hit the, uh, I, I agree button, you know, they get, they can do all kinds of stuff. So what'll Tuttle say a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of fun, it's off the world series topic, but, uh, something i had to get off my chest and that's the whole point of the segment is
1: not it it is and that's a good one I'm, i like the left turn i like the giggle and it's funny because i i don't know what tuttle is going to say half the time i'm like everybody else listening to this podcast i'm like where's this coming from and then all of a sudden it hits me right in the heart and i'm like dude right Nobody want get off me. I mean, granted, well, you know, if it was, you know, something I really truly believed in or I knew I was going to shop at a lot, but I'm with you. I'm a little bit of a skeptic in the sense that I know that the, you know, it's more of a marketing ploy, especially at the supermarket, because they're trying to, you know, figure out how to cater to what you're going to buy so you buy more. But uh, man. Good stuff on what will Tuttle say. And i tell you what, it has been a very good week for the Astros. The weekend obviously was dominated by baseball, football, and basketball. But we like to get Tuttle on the spot, get some predictions from him on the World Series. But we've also been relying on him in a segment we call Don't Bet On It. And dude, I tell you what, Tuttle Tuttle's stepping up his game. You had a heck of a week, didn't you? I finally got out of the 667 zone. And
0: made it to a, a thousand here. So I I hit three games, uh, Colorado plus 13 and a half against USC, which that was the Friday night game. And the podcast didn't come out till after. So <laughs> <laughs> that was my bad. No, that's why the segment's called don't bet on it. Cause you know, in hindsight, we look like geniuses, right? <laughs> hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to put the podcast out after the games happen and we're going to look great. <laughs> Maybe that's why I went for three for three this week. But uh, no, but the two NFL games I got as well, and that that was out before the New York Giants covered a backdoor cover, sort of they scored a late touchdown, which actually helped my fantasy team as well. Cause Saquon Barkley's on one of my fantasy teams, but uh, they covered against the lions. And then of course the Miami dolphins last night, I had them at like plus 16 and a half. I think it closed at like plus 14, but either way everyone's a winner because the dolphins took a sneaky 14 to nothing lead in the first quarter. And then held on by the skin of their teeth to uh to cover that one. So uh yeah, so we won Colorado over USC, the Giants over the Lions, and the Miami Dolphins over the Pittsburgh Steelers with the points. Three for three this week. Folks, it might be time to open up a count and uh put some nickels on the uh on, on what Tuttle or not what'll Tuttle say on the don't bet on it segment. And then that always leads into our fantasy because we oh, always yeah. snuck by again by the hair on our chinny chin chin. We had to we had to put the Dallas defense on ice this week because they were on a bye and we picked up the old Pittsburgh defense and they took us into the winner's circle.
1: It's all about matchups and losing Dallas, who's actually been playing pretty good defense throughout the course of the season. We we, we kind of talked about it a couple podcasts ago, like who are we going to go with? And I, I noticed that Pittsburgh was matched up with Miami and Miami's a yard sale on offense. It, it, I mean, is they played well enough to win, but at the same time, man, Rob Fitzpatrick, dude, he can give it away a little bit and they stepped in front of a couple passes, they picked up a couple fumbles, so yeah, just enough to squeak by, and we did it, you know, you talked about Dallas being out of it, I, th- I was actually thoroughly impressed with our ability to squeak out a win without Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Keenan Allen had a bad hamstring, Ezekiel Elliott had the bye week, so we really uh, scratch out a couple of big wins with your don't bet on it, and our fantasy football team, which by the way, we have a two-game lead in our fantasy football league. We are leading the pack. We are seven and one, I believe. Seven and one. Yep, second place team at five and three. So we're doing really good. That is gonna do it for what'll Tuttle say. Don't bet on it. And a quick Blum and Blummer. Huh. I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. Jeff Blums full of shit, man. I, I really don't know what I'm going to do and Blum and Blummer until we get on the podcast, but watching some of the game yesterday and, or the other day and watching the strike zone, the strike zone, the robotic strike zone is never going to go away. It is eventually going to be a part of baseball. I hope it takes a while before it becomes part of baseball, but watching Robles, at his at-bat against Garrett Cole, who I believe struck Robles out earlier in the at-bat, But to get him rung up on that pitch he got rung up on, and I know I've worked for the Astros, I know I want the Astros to win, but dang it. Dang it! Why did he have to ring him up on that pitch? It was about six inches outside, it felt like to me, and really thrust back into the spotlight. The robotic umpire. I'm not into it. I'm not a fan of the robot umpire. I just want to get that on record. I'll see how Tuttle's feeling about it, but I heard the comparison between you know, a call at first base being overturned in replay and a pitch being overturned. I wonder if it gets to the point where we have, you can replay one, you know, one pitch and at bat or something. I don't know how it's going to work, but you can't compare one pitch to one play because one play equals an out. One pitch does not equal an out. And that's where I want to kind of talk everybody off the robotic ledge is because It takes three pitches to get a strikeout. So there were two pitches previously that Robles could have put in play or tried to get a hit on. It wasn't the one pitch that ruined the at-bat. There were several pitches involved. So that's where I'm at on the the robotic umpire. I'm not sure how you feel about it, Tuttle, but uh, we have a podcast. People listen. I'm on record with predictions. I'm on record with the robot umpire. Give me the human, and I'll deal with it. Yeah, I have a lot of
0: thoughts about that, but I I agree. We, uh, you know, take the human every time. And I think we talked about this maybe even 10 podcasts ago when we've kind of touched on some of the rule changes. And one of my biggest frustrations in all honesty would be that, could you imagine that's game six or seven of the World Series and it's on the line? And you've got to go to a robotic umpire where the guy rings them up and the Astros throw their gloves in the air and they pile on the mound and they're like, no, 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 sorry, we're going to go look at this. And, and my, my kind of reference now is the NBA. I didn't know the NBA was going to instill replay, but the NBA now has replay on charges and fouls and I, you can have three challenges. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to get it everywhere. And I agree with you. And I think, again, I think we've said this before, so I'm on record before and I'm on record now, hopefully consistently saying, you know, in the old Cardinals Royals World Series that we, you know, Dankinger's call at first base, like that's an, a blatant, easy call where you can go to replay and say the ball beat him or the ball didn't beat him, whatever. I don't even now remember the call was, but out or save. Oh, out. And he was actually safe. Like you can look at that and say, okay, that's an easy thing to look at. Let's go to replay. And We already have that in baseball. Balls and strikes, as you know, much more personal, much more intimate, Um, even from a hitter's perspective. Like, hey, ump, is that as far out as you're going to go? Yup. And he calls that pitch super consistently. The thing I have with, I have two at-bats specifically. One is Correa's at-bat. I thought that was a strike on the pitcher. One, two, hammer, strike three. Oop, nope. And the next pitch he crushes and makes the game four to nothing. I would have been more upset about that. But then, it, again, it's 4 nothing. So, does that pitch ruin the whole game? No, it doesn't. And then, with Robles at bat, the pitch before that was a strike, in my opinion. Without the robotic pitch, whatever it is, it almost looked like Robles was pulling the Little League. Like, I'm just going to stand up here and hope he can't throw a strike. That pitch before that was a strike. Everybody, I mean, Chirinos was going, or was it Chirinos? Yeah, Chirinos and Cole had kind of headed for the dugout. Uh oh. And and I know the Twitter sp- Twitter sphere and all that stuff, they like, oh, it's a makeup call. Umpires don't do that. No matter what you think, it, it's not a makeup call. He's in the situation. Here's hears the crowd roaring. The whole thing's there. So there are some environmental uh, factors. But if we're going to do that on every pitch, look, the pitch before it was a strike, the pitch that he called him out on was a ball. Reverse it, and he's already out, and we're not having this conversation. So I just think if you start getting down to the pitch, as I already mentioned, if you're going to call strike three, the World Series is you know over, and you throw the gloves in the air and they pile on the mound, and then you're going to start replaying the pitch. I, I think you're opening up Pandora's box. You're opening up a can of worms. That uh, that that that's not right. And I will say it. And I got to give them due credit. I was listening to Spillboards and Lidge on MLB yesterday. So Brad Lidge, former Astro, obviously Ryan Spillboard talked about, and he never finished the point. So I'm going to finish the point for him he was just trying to bring this out is he got to play a year in japan and had the the uh, the pleasure of going to a sumo match and he's like you go to these sumo wrestling matches and he said those things haven't changed since the 16th century or the 17th century 1650 when they came around the 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 little um the arenas the same the environments the same the way they feed these guys is the same and the rules are the same, and they have a human there looking at whether you step out of the ring or you get pushed out. Or whatever. he's like, could you imagine in sumo wrestling now they're like going to bring in some electronic like sphere to see if the guy stepped out of the ring or if he did this? You know, obviously I don't know the rules of sumo. Spillboards didn't enlighten us on that either, but I will say he 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 never finished by saying. I think he finished with a question, saying, "So should a baseball be more like sumo wrestling or should it go?" i'm saying there's nothing wrong with keeping things the way they were the human element the tradition of it and i realize there's money and there's technology involved i just have a strong opinion that we can we can live with some things the way they were just like grandpa said right you can still sit on the front porch in a rocking chair and drink your lemonade you don't need your cell phone you don't need a a rocking chair that moves on its own you can push that with your own legs so i i just think i just think that we're we, we don't know what we're in store for and if i look at the beginning of the nba season i don't like where it's headed if that's what happens with baseball
1: strong opinions from my man tuttle and i love it and i'm with you in the sense that once you start pushing that envelope and you start opening things up you know what's hard to do it's hard to reverse the fact you know once you start opening and replaying everything all of a sudden anything is going to be replayable and we're going to be sitting there for 15 20 minutes a game trying to figure out if a ball was a strike or a strike was a ball was his foot in the box what you know it, it's it's going to be crazy and then if you all of a sudden realize that that is a bad thing how are you going to reverse that it's going to be crazy but uh that'll do it for blum and blummer that's also going to do it for bleacher blums i know that uh, out in california talking to some friends obviously tuttle but uh, even some friends up in the bay area there there are tough times the weather is crazy out there the wind gusts are at 60 70 miles an hour uh the electricity's getting turned off it's it's a it's bedlam out there it feels like and according to reports obviously the media can exaggerate a little bit but uh i just want to you know throw some thoughts and prayers out for all of the first responders obviously but all the firemen who really go out there and put themselves in harm's way and to the to the citizens that are affected by this listen don't be a hero let the heroes be heroes those are the first responders and the firemen and the policemen and women who are trying to save you and keep you out of harm's way and of course everybody overseas. some big developments across the across the pond uh, with uh, some key people being knocked out of this world and a lot of it due to our military Delta Force Navy SEALs man you guys and ladies are phenomenal humans gutsy as hell proud of you proud to be an American Tuttle do you got anything to finish this thing off
0: no i second that and just uh just kind of a shout out again to cliff who sent in uh the one of the mailbag questions today right he's a military guy uh, yeah. Air force vet and a volunteer firefighter i mean those guys know what it's like to be on the front lines and of course we don't but we're not we're not necessarily willing to at this age especially not willing to find out so uh we appreciate you guys and uh, and our thoughts and prayers are with you and uh i'll look forward to uh you know talking to you in a couple days blummer and we'll see where we stand but uh i have a good feeling that uh that the astros might be uh, hoisting another trophy before the next time we speak
1: i like it and that's gonna do it for bleacher blums an exciting time to be a baseball fan with the season winding down tonight could be the night for the astros if they get after it but most of all if they believe it